Dotnet Rocks episode 977 with guest Francesco Balena. Recorded Friday, April 11th, 2014. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Dotnet Rocks. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here for your listening pleasure for the next hour or so. What's up, my friend? How are you, sir? Uh, you know, no rest for the wicked. We're in that week where we're just recording shows all day, yep. every day, because yep. we're on the road. Huge dev intersection. I'm off to Nepal. We've got Tech Ed. We've got NDC. Like, it's just a crazy, crazy spring. No rest for the wicked, indeed. It's May yeah. 1st. Uh, you know, so it's good in New England here, finally. It's better than a real job, isn't it? Yeah. So this is going to be a very, I'm really excited. Francesco's here to talk about migration and, uh, we're just going to sort of look at where we are, you know, where, where, uh, where dot net is and where these, uh, projects are. I'm really excited about it. But before sure, we I- do that, let's just get right into better know framework. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? You've been impressing me the past month or so with some of these really cool finds, so hit me hard. Well, this actually is something we have talked about before, but I thought it was appropriate for this audience and for this topic. So uh, remember we talked about Wix, the Wix tool set to do Windows installation. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. We did a show about that. We did a show about it. Well, this is, you know, particularly important, you know, if you're doing a Windows Forms applications or anything like that. So, uh, you know, with the sort of the legacy stuff, it, it really is something to talk about. So if you don't know what this is, go to wixtoolset.org. Uh, it's, they claim, the most powerful set of tools available to create your Windows installation experience. Free and open source since 2004. Uh, we've done at least one show on Wix. I know that. So go back and listen to it. And, uh, you know, it's been a while. So you might want to check out the, the website, look at the documentation, and um, just check it out. Yeah, that's show 747, where we talked about the Wix tool set with Rob Menching. Yep. Uh, back in 2012. Yep, and he's still involved there. So check it out. Wix. Yeah, all good. The Wix tool set. Yeah, just need to remind yourself that there are ways to do this stuff. There's always more than one way. Yeah, yeah. for sure. All right, man, who's talking to us? I uh, grabbed a comment off of show 958, and that is the one we did with uh, Alan Stevens. Yeah. And you may have remember that show. It's not that long ago. But right. that's what we were talking about, the whole software craftsmanship movement. And Alan had some controversial opinions. He did. And I would argue this show's generated just about more comments than any other. Yeah. Uh, over was, 30, was, 40 comments now. Like, it's a lot of comments. If he was looking to get a conversation going, he certainly got he that. He certainly did that. And there's many directions I could go in here in picking which comments to read and so forth. But I highly encourage everyone to go to that show. Go to yeah. 958 and read through them and have a good listen to the show. But let me go with a, with a straight up one. Nothing too... Uh, let's say, controversial. Inflammatory, maybe? Yes, inflammatory. That's a word I'm looking for, Mr. Yeah. Franklin. I appreciate that. Uh, Adam Cavanis said, as a de- both a developer and as a user of software, I must say that most software is terrible. Yeah. I think at the core of the craftsmanship movement is the desire to at least take pride in quality instead of it being a business goal alone. Hmm. Whether we like it or not, 
terrible software is everywhere. And by terrible, I mean never or rarely updated, unreliable, bug-ridden UI disasters. They are everywhere. I appreciate that our craft, with quotes around it, has no huge barrier of entry. But now that Azure is so great, there are even fewer excuses regarding resources. But at the same time, a great on-ramp breeds disasters. We're also getting further and further from the metal and more and more desensitized to the many layers we unknowingly sit on top of. This is a great time to be a developer, and I love it. But I think we all know deep down that most software is just bad. Wow. Way to put a fine point on it. Well, yeah. just, you know, strip away the argument. What I liked about Adam's comment, no semantics about yeah. what's a crass and what's not a crass or anything. Like that. Like, hey, guys, our software is just not that good. And it could be better. And it should be better. And in Adam's opinion, at least, we're not on the right path to getting better. Well, and also, if we're one of the few people that write good software, we should take pride in it. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. So, Adam, thank you for a great comment and, and getting us to think a little bit more about what it is we're building and why we're building it. Uh, happy to send a .NET Rocks mug off to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or in any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows 8, Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, and Android. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. If you'd love to build you an app, just go to DiatomEnterprises.com. And that brings us to our guest, Francesco Belena, authored or co-authored seven books for Microsoft Press, including four editions of Programming Visual Basic, VB6, 2002, 2003, and 2005. He wrote about 100 articles on magazines such as Visual Studio Magazine and MSDN Magazine and spoke at many U.S. and European technical conferences. He has served as Italian Regional Director in the years 2003 to 2010 and is co-founder of Code Architects, a southern Italy software company that develops and consults on Microsoft technologies. He's the lead author of VB Migration Partner, the state-of-the-art VB6 to the state-of-the-art VB6 to .NET conversion software with customers in all five continents. Welcome back, Francesco. Hi, guys. Thank you for uh, inviting me to this uh, interview. It's uh, such a pleasure to meet you again, even though virtually. It's a good evening, I should say, since it's uh, evening here in, this, uh, in Italy, but it's, uh, it's a pleasure it's a big pressure for, for me to be here. Well, it's a pleasure for us to have you. Now, we were just talking with James Montemagno yesterday on yesterday's show. Was it, um, was it, band? did you play with band on the runtime? Did you play saxophone with us? Yeah, sure. It was a pleasure, Carl. Uh, you know, I, I, I've met a lot of, uh, you know, developers who, who, who play music, uh, any kind of music, and uh, you are one of the, the best and more, most renewed. And it yeah, was you know, I thought thing. it was you. I thought it was you, and I couldn't remember for sure because it was a long time ago, but it was the PC yeah. at 2003. You know, there's a video of that. Yeah, and, yeah uh, a, there is a video somewhere yeah. on the internet. <laughs> well, I'll give you a URL to it. It's tinyurl.com slash band on the runtime if you want that. There it is. Yeah. Great. So, uh, yeah, for for all to see, there it is. It's out there. It's out there. Yeah. <laughs> for us to shame about that. Oh, no, no. No, no it was such, such fun, really. Okay. So, so here's why we wanted to have you on the show is because we're getting the feeling that with XP 
end of life recently, uh, there's been a lot of urge to get software that's running in VB6, um, you know, on XP that has been running for a long time, that these machines are going to be upgraded. And this is seems like a good time for a lot of people to rewrite software uh, that's been running seamlessly for 10 plus years. Do you think, are we out of the, are, are we off our rocker in thinking that? Or have you seen a surge in uh, recently in VB6 migrations, or is it just part of the normal cycle? I would say that uh, uh, we haven't seen a spike yet, but it's going to grow because uh, you know the kind of the, the, the companies who are who still have to, up, to update their VB6 application. They are typically now they are large companies. They take the decisions very uh, you know very slowly, and uh, they need some. Uh, to, they need to be under pressure. So now that uh, uh, XP is not supported any longer, many companies have to migrate. But you know, in many cases they wait until the last minute or the minute after Microsoft actually uh, stops uh, the support. So I, I'm pretty sure that we will see some, uh, some, you know, some growing in this. We already saw that, but it's, it's still slow. I'm pretty sure that it's going to grow. So you have, uh, have you had more interest anyway in people saying, you know, do, what do you think? Do you think we need to do this? Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem is, uh, uh, there are many reasons why you might want to upgrade or, you know, port or migrate or whatever, rewrite the application. And the end of support for XP is one of them, is one of these reasons, but, uh, in the in the in the last years, we have seen a lot of more interest in the VB.NET framework and the, the ability, the, you know, the kind of features that you don't have in VB6. So it's a, it's a mixture of uh, of reasons. And, uh, and now there are a, a, a completely new portion, a, a new a new set of companies who, who who must upgrade because you know, especially uh, govern. Uh, you know, govern, uh, government companies or or companies who do business with the government, they are obliged to to do the upgrade. So that's why it's it's a pretty sure, sure bet. You know, we're right. going to see that. Francesco, what do these apps look like? Are these sort of the traditional client server style VB6 apps with Win Forms and SQL Server on the back end? Or are they sort of, I remember the last generation of VB6 apps were actually COM components calling against ASP. You know, we were starting to see the beginnings of N tier software development built with VB. What do you see? We see virtually any kind of uh, uh, BB6 application from, from our standpoint, of course, we, we, we receive many, you know, uh, inquiries every day. And basically we see any, any sort of BB6 application. I would say that, um, I would say half of them are the traditional client server application with just, just, you know, the forms uh, on the client and a lot of traffic going back and forth with the SQL server, Oracle, or whatever. And, uh, I would say another half uh, is a is a entire uh, application, as you said, and and that's going to be uh, the, the most challenging 
kind of application to be, to be migrated. Of course, we, if you have, we have, we have uh, our customers. Some of our customers have application with about one thousand DLLs in the in the beginning. Wow! Holy yeah, crap. It, it, actually, even more. I remember one with uh, one uh, fifteen hundred. DLLs in the back end. It was a nightmare because the registry <laughs> got corrupted every other day. Oh, but, man. You know, they, yeah, yeah. But uh, on, on one hand, uh, these kind of applications are the applications that can, can uh, benefit most um, from the migration to .NET. On the other hand, uh, migrating these monsters, uh, I'm talking about application with the four, five, seven millions lines of code, even more sometimes. And you know, migrating these kind of applications uh, is going to, to take you many, many years. And it's a complex, it's a complex software project in its own. Uh, you know, and this, I understand why many companies, companies with this kind of uh, monsters uh, in their, uh, on their servers, uh, they, Postponed and postponed the, the migration because it's a it's a really complex migration project. My experience with migration is it's like the worst kind of app you can do. At best, you're going to spend a lot of money and be right where you were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So most that's, of the time, uh, you end up taking <laughs> stuff that works and breaking it. Yeah, that's that's really that's really a very delicate point. Hmm. I do believe. Uh, I do believe that, um, and, and that also explains why m many companies are have, have been postponing the, the migration. The problem, as I see it, uh, even if I'm uh, in, in this uh, in this business, I see that uh, I understand my, my customers' point of view when they say migration to .NET doesn't give me an immediate uh, benefit, which is correct uh, in a sense, in the sense that you know it, when you have the .NET application that uh, is uh, is exactly behaves and uh, is, looks like exactly like your original DB6 application. You haven't done much. You haven't really improved the application. On the other end, uh, my experience, our our experience as a company is that uh, you when you migrate a piece of software to .NET, be uh, it DB6 or whatever, uh, C++ or whatever, the you should split the problem in smaller problems. So you should you should never try to do as much as you can in one step. So many uh, I have seen many migration projects fail because they wanted to do too much. They wanted right. to migrate and improve and change the user interface and change the database and and change everything. And the problem is when you when when you change four or five variables in this equation. Uh, there are too many things that can go wrong, and actually they do go wrong. And that's why our advice to customers is that even if uh, apparently the migration to .NET is one-to-one, -one, when, when you do a one-to-one -one, uh, migration doesn't give you any immediate benefit, you should go that path. You, you should do one step at a time. And because the benefits will come later when you can load the application inside Visual Studio 2012 and 2013, etc. You can you have a better refactoring, mm. you know, commands. You have better environment. You you can do a lot of things much much better than in VB6. So talking about these big VB6 N tier apps with all those COM components, do you have to convert them all, or can you do sort of a staged migration and just convert a few DLLs at a time and, and interoperate between the two models? 
Yeah, we 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 do uh, we do suggest uh, they do a stage migration, and as a matter of fact, we changed our uh, we you know um, tailored our software in such a way that they can do that. They can when you do. When you do um, a stage migration, the problem is uh, when you do a stage migration towards .NET uh, as a seat, uh, the problem is you get the best benefits if you start with the innermost DLLs because th these are this is where .NET can uh, can uh, can be much more scalable and faster than DB6. No, if you talk about components, and the problem is if you work uh, as you say. Um, from the innermost towards the outer, outermost um, components. Uh, when, when you change the, the core of your application, the application can easily become unstable. So that's the problem in that approach. It's, it's the most logical approach on, on one end. On the other end is also the approach that, uh, you know, um, can, can uh, get uh, easily can, can can give you a, an application that can be you know unstable at first so sure. you, you know you ha you have to balance the two the the two the, the advantages and disadvantages of this approach but yeah and you, and believe me i am stretching my mind to remember calm right. without actually <laughs> crying out in pain yeah um, yeah but, you know, the whole point of an end-tier architecture was that we had some sense of abstraction between the layers. I mean, shouldn't I be able to start writing a new front end in ASP.NET doing, and I shudder when I say this, calm interop back to the services of the back end that are the old DLLs so that I have a new front end done first and then start replacing the services? Yeah, this makes a lot of sense to me, and this is what we we usually suggest. If uh, unless the application can uh, stay in Windows form, and, and, and I mean, unless they they still want a, a traditional client server application with no web server in, the, in right. between. I seem to remember a problem with apartment threaded com objects being a problem in ASP.NET. There, there is a problem. Uh, actually, it's a threading problem because you know the the, the, the discrepancy between uh, the the traded uh, the single tra uh, single trading apartment that you have in BB6 and yeah. the multi trading that you have in .NET. We uh, of course it can be addressed. Actually, our software that that does that automatically. Okay. And um, Very well, there it's just a matter of adding the right attributes in the in the right places. Oh, yeah, um, it's all coming back to me now. Hey, I'd like, to, yeah, very, very, I'd like to remind everyone that you're listening to .NET Rocks, this portion of which is supported by NDC, the Norwegian Developers Conference, taking place June 2 through 6 at the Oslo Spectrum. Register online at ndcoslo.com. Uh, Francesco, how, what portion of or percentage of customers actually end up converting using your tool to vb.net versus, you know what, we're just going to start anew in, say, C-sharp and, you know, take the logic and understand the logic and just, you know, do a, a you know, VB code to my brain to new C-sharp code conversion. Mm -hmm. In other words, just do a new new version altogether. Yeah, rewrite from scratch, yeah. more or less from scratch. Yes, I would say that... Um, 
it's difficult to, to have a percentage, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a precise percentage also because, you know, we, we follow the customer until to a, to a point that sure. after that point, we don't know what they, if they don't buy our software, we don't know exactly don't know, what, right. what they do. But uh, the, uh, my, my perception is that uh, uh, less than uh, one third decide to write that uh, manually. Wow. And yeah, and the problem is that there is an explanation for that. The problem is uh, uh, now in, uh, in 2014, it's about uh, how much? 12 years after the introduction of .NET. <laughs> I would say that, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, I would say that all the applications that, that, that could, be re- uh, uh, could be written from scratch because they are manageable, because they had to be written for several you know, business decisions, for example, uh, they were small enough, uh, etc. Most of those applications have been already rewritten in .NET or a, a very small percentage of developers uh, decided to go to Java or some other platforms. But the problems that we have today, the applications that, uh, the VB6 application that are still waiting to be converted today are the largest ones and that's why a manual uh, a manual uh, um, migration is very difficult. Yeah. It's very co- it's very expensive, especially with those big projects. Exactly, yeah. and, and especially because uh, in many cases, after so many years, we are talking about applications. Some of, of the, uh, some applications were originate, uh, originated in VB four. Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, VB four sixteen or thirty two, and I'm disturbed that I remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the word, the 16-bit word. That was I our remember. life for so long. It's yeah, just amazing. That was the point where we switched from VBX to OCX. Yeah, and all, so many controls never made the jump. Yeah, exactly. And, and now we have more or less the same problem with the 64-bit applications. Anyway, uh, you know, after 12 years after, this is the situation. We have this uh, very large application. And, and in these... Uh, um, if, if the application originated in VB5 or VB4, odds are that the original developers already left the company, they retired or worse, and uh, no, no one understands, no one in the company understands what the code really does. In, in these scenarios, uh, automatic or semi-automatic migration is the only practical path that you have. So uh, to answer your question, Carl, uh, th- this is why um, even though they are aware and we are aware that a rewriting from scratch should, is by far the best approach in, in many cases, for this reason, many companies end up with uh, a translation tool such as ours. Okay. And so tell us about, I mean, we talked about your tool. Geez, when was that, Richard? It must have been five, six years ago. Yeah, 2009. 2009, yes. All right, so five years ago. So um, tell us about using the tool. First of all, this is something that you've been working on, obviously, for at least five, six years. And and tell us about how it works and, uh, you know, how it's priced, I suppose, that price is no object if you're a company with a big... uh, you know, with a great big um, project that needs to be converted, I guess a tool is nothing compared to the consulting time that it would take to do it by hand. But tell us what uh, what's involved in doing a migration. 
I mean, you're, you've been talking about manual migration, but using your tool, what does it do exactly? Yeah, actually, the, the tool is uh, the tool is, is a mixture between a conversion engine and uh, a support library. Basically, if, you, if I want to describe that the real power and the value of this product is uh, the support library. And the support library, to put it uh, in short, the, the, the shortest way to describe the support library is uh, saying that we have rewritten the VB run DLL in .NET. Wow. So basically, yeah, basically, so we have all the VB6 controls. Uh, they are pure .NET controls. So they are pure .NET code, and we license the source code, by the way. But uh, they are complete. There is no com dependency uh, in our support library, and the support library uh, replicates in .NET the behavior and the object interface and the interface, you know, everything, the, the methods, the properties, the events of most of, I would say, all uh, nearly 99% of VB6 objects. So basically, you sh- you did it right. What Microsoft would have done. Should have done yeah. for <laughs> yeah. If they yeah, didn't have to drag them into the future of .NET, yeah. Yeah, more or less. Wow. That's good. Actually, to, to me, it was uh, the the most obvious approach. You have sure. uh, now with, with our uh, you know with with our uh, library, you have, for example, the text box. The text box inherits. We use inheritance. We have have not invented anything. We using inheritance, we inherit from the .NET text box, and we add or modify or, or override all the methods and properties that are not in .NET or that behave differently in .NET. So that's why the, the conversion engine, once you migrate, the, the code that you end up with is very readable because basically it, it mirrors the VB6 code. We don't have to, to do any, I mean, very few code transformations. We do some code transformations, uh, for example, to implement the Go Sub, uh, to implement some other, some uh, for the track action. No, you, you have an option to to convert on error into uh, track catch finally, etc. So in that case, you see a, a code transformation, but most of the code resembles the original VB6 code, and that's why the kind of uh, artifact that we produce. Uh, can be maintained very easily because basically it, it's very similar to VB6. Actually, we improve on the original VB6 code because we do automatic refactoring. For example, we automatically, when we uh, recognize that there is a, a string which is uh, concatenated into in, inside the loop, uh, we automatically change the string into a string builder, for example. We, we, yeah. we, we do this kind of, uh, you know, automatic, uh, uh, you all, always have the option to, Dealing, uh, dealing with the array indexing exactly. thing, like the base indexing zero. All of, yeah, exactly. All, all of that is covered. So we, 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 we solve the problem, the usual problems that you have during the migration. And we, whenever, whenever it's possible, we also uh, improve on the code. So, but, but, but again, the real value of the library, which is actually not very large, I believe it's uh, about 80 to 100 thousand lines of code, uh, bb.net code, I mean, the library. So, because because .net gives you a lot of, uh, uh, a lot to start with. No, the, the text box is very similar to the VB6 text box. There are a few differences. We cover the differences. And uh, you don't have to become a, a, a real expert of .net. I mean, many VB6 programmers can just do the migration. They end up with a text box that uh, 
works and behaves exactly like the BBC code. So they don't have to 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 be involved in the there's so many differences between the two words. We do that for we cover these differences for them. So now the co- I remember back in the day when .NET first came out and they attempted to, you know, migrate your VB to VB.net. And there's a VB compatibility library that, uh, you know, changes your VB commands into, you know, VB compatibility library dot VB command, right? And so does your, do you, are you doing the same sort of thing, you know, in terms of changing the commands or does your library also implement all the, the the keywords in the in the language as well or you know where where do you uh, in terms of the language itself draw the line mm-hmm. yeah basically we 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 made this this decision uh, if the vb6 and vb vb.net method or object or, or property behaves exactly the same we keep the original uh, excuse me we keep the, the .net we use the .net keyword mm-hmm. I'm talking about, uh, for example, take a message box, no, the the the, the real old message box. They apparently they behave in the same way, but uh, over the years we discovered there are a few minor differences that the way they deal with the coverage retard, for example. So in that case, we have another uh, method which. Uh, um, you know, we we usually we usually we append a six to the name of the method, so we have a, our own message box six method, which basically um, does uh, uh, you know behind the scenes it uses the message box, but it automatically adjusts all the parameters so that the new message box six uh, um, method behaves exactly like the old one, which means that uh, basically you have a very uh, very few, many fewer errors at one time because we cover all these differences. Mm. Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. Time to message box dot show a dumb joke with no cancel button. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you must press okay. You must agree with me before we continue. <laughs> Registry is corrupt. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> it's one of Richard's best stand-up comedian uh, comedy lines ever. All right. Anyway, it's time to give away a D-Experience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who the winner is, let's talk about the DevExpress Universal subscription. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy, who's our winner? And today's winner is Ryan Riley. Congratulations, Ryan. I'll clap for you, sir. I'm using my own hands today, Richard. Nice. Retiring the clappers? I think I'm retiring the clapper. It's kind of cheesy. 
The guy deserves an, applause, an applause, right? Actual hands. Actual hands, nice. correct. Yeah. Well, if you don't know what we just did, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we pick a random winner and give away sponsor goodness like the D-Experience subscription. And every December we give away $5,000 to a randomly selected Member, but you gotta sign up to be picked, right? Five th- we give away five thousand dollars worth of technology. We don't give away the cash. I think that's illegal, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's more complicated. Yeah, Let us buy you toys. We're just gonna buy you toys, and you get to tell us what you want. Yeah, no surprise. No surprises. Just you. You want to make sure that email is correct because yeah, that's gonna... the funny part is actually convincing them that we're serious, right? Every time, every, every time, it's like <laughs> my wife says this is a scam. Oh no, that's a Nigerian scammer. <laughs> No, no, it's Carl and Richard. They want to give it. We're going to give you stuff you signed up, man. They want to buy me something. I'm serious. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a normal problem. No, it isn't. Yeah, and and trying to convince Amazon.uk that you actually want to send $5,000 worth of stuff to that guy. That was a real challenge. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, we like to ask our guest, Francesco Belena, if you had 5,000 US dollars to spend on technology right now, today, like let's go shopping, what would you buy? Mm. Uh, music technology is, is okay with you? Or Absolutely. Not- Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, I fall in love with this. I, I'm not a keyboard uh, player, I play saxophone, I also play. You know, the heavy, the, 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 the sex synth by a K. Anyway, I fall in love with this uh, keyboard, uh, which is actually um, uh, is in pre-order. You should have a look at that if you know, uh, if you don't know about that. It's, a, it's called the Seaboard. Spell it? C, C, like the C, Seaboard. S-E-A-B-O-A-R-D. And uh, is a... Fantastic! Is is the oh, it's keyboard beautiful. of the future? Is the keyboard of the future? And there is a there is a video that makes me dream about that. I, I would I would stop playing keyboards just for that. Wow! It looks weird. Yeah. It, it looks weird. <laughs> and, you know, you, the entire keyboard is a control surface. So basically, you caress the keys and every point every point on the keyboard. How very Italian. Yeah, very sad. You caress the keys. (laughs) You caress the keys. (laughs) You make love to the keyboard. Sensual. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Basically, there are three models. Uh, The biggest one is is almost $9,000. So I'm afraid uh, I cannot afford that. Well, and just looking at alto saxophones, you know, you could spend five grand on an alto sax, too. How about a Nord Stage 2? Yeah, that, that, that's that, that's another option, of course. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but I already have uh, uh, my own saxophone. I, I just, I, I just last year I bought uh, one Selmer uh, Six uh, Model Six, uh, which dates for uh, dates back to uh, nineteen fifty six. Wow, Joel, it's it's older than me, but he 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 plays much better. He, he sounds much better than me. How about a <laughs> and, uh, how about a Nord yeah, Stage it, it, Two? piano uh, how much is that <laughs> uh, it's yeah it's about four foreign change okay so i mean if you are really determined to give me five thousand dollars uh, <laughs> i can uh, you'll I let can, us huh uh, 
I can be satisfied with an Orlet. Uh, cool. You're a good man, Francesco. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, th- thank you, by the way, for for the for your nice offer. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sh- can I can I st- uh, can I order that or should I wait for the? Ah, okay. <laughs> well, you have to join the fan club and then win. You have to be randomly uh, okay, selected. Uh, I'm there already. you go. We only do it once a year. Yep. Somewhere around <laughs> Christmas time. And, you know, mm-hmm. quite frankly, if you were the winner of, you know, you, you'd probably get a few hate mails, probably, because you've been a <laughs> guest on the show. And, yeah, we want ordinary random people to win. Yeah. But uh, getting back into this whole migration strategy, actually, I asked this question on another sh- or earlier show. We were just talking about the idea of who still has an operating VB6 development environment? Because all that gear is getting really old. Do you find apps that need to be migrated where they have the source code, but they still they can't do a build anymore? You, uh, um, what do you mean exactly? They don't don't build it because they don't have the knowledge or because they don't have the environment? Or, they don't have the or, environment. Or, you know, basically... Uh, yeah, most of these companies they, they still have uh, they still used to have at least uh, until uh, April eighth they they, they add uh, some Windows XP machines just for that right that, or or virtual machines just for that yeah it does seem yeah, to be that people have a ver- they managed to P to V the old dev machine and uh, and so they've got this virtual instance that's still alive. The big one for me would be licenses for controls and things. So a lot of these companies are gone. Like actually yeah. remaking the, the the environment again would be really hard because you couldn't get it everything licensed. Yeah, exactly. I would say that the two the two biggest obstacles uh, in doing the migrations in doing this kind of migrations uh, are you know active third party ActiveX controls and. Uh, Database technologies, you know, right. com-based techni- database technologies, and uh, while you you typically can continue to use uh, all the DAO or RDO, I mean, if you don't have the time or the energies or the money to do a full conversion in the first place, I mean, right right now, you can just convert the, the interface and you know some some other portions of the application and and still use. Uh, uh, um, again, DAO, uh, ADO, etc. Because those technologies uh, using Cominterrupt are quite stable under .NET. Yeah, the services model to me. I mean, I'm not excited about apartment threaded DLLs, but I can live with it. It's exactly. I think it's the client that most people are kind of shocked by. I mean, admittedly, the client a VB6 client still runs fine in Win8. It just looks odd. Yeah, it, it does. So, so, so that problem is uh, can be can be you know can be faced and can be you know can be ignored for a while at least. The problem with the third-party active controls is the problem because there are at least for some applications there are applications that use fifty different ActiveX controls from third parties. Oh yeah, and I had an app like that. Yeah, even even more than fifty. And the point is, you have to convert them. And uh, many of those companies have gone many years ago, and they don't have the, don't have the source code. They, they have to guess about what happens inside the control. I mean, they, that's a real nightmare. So in that case, uh, many companies uh, came to the, the the decision to rewrite portions of the user interface just because those controls are gone. Right. This is a problem number one, I believe. Yeah, that that's, are, that, you know, that's the biggest thing. 
Yeah. Uh, for, remember, uh, even not just third-party controls. Uh, uh, do you remember MS Forms? MS Forms. Yeah. The from yeah. I many, do. many, many DB6 developers uh, were encouraged to use MS Forms because they were lightweight controls compared to the uh, standard DB6 controls, and there is, uh, you know, no no way to convert them or to use them under the .NET. So that's that, that's a problem. Yeah, that those are sort of the big blockers. And I guess the other point here is at some point, does it make more sense to leave the old app alone and just start building a new app using new technology, communicating back to the old database so the two apps can live just side by side until you actually get feature complete on the new app? Exactly. This is this is uh, uh, the, when when you can uh, 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 Use that approach. That approach is the, is, the, is the winner, absolutely. And this is what we recommend whenever it is possible to do so. And of course, if you have an, an entire application, in many cases, you can do that kind of, you can adopt that kind of technique because you can partition the application in several projects. It's already partitioned in different right. projects. So, Francesco, do you have any sort of numbers that you can throw out in terms of, you know, how after going through the process of using your tool in your library, how much real work is left uh, yeah. you know, in terms of uh, percentage based on lines of code or whatever? I don't, I don't know how, what, how you frame it, but... Well, uh, I would say that much depends on your requirements, which was a very silly answer, I understand. Sure, yeah. But no, let me elaborate on that. Uh, there are companies that especially if if they do uh, a migration for other companies for their own customers in that case they the customer typically requires that uh, the application has exactly the same behavior exactly the same look and feel etc and uh, my experience our experience is that uh, in many cases you spend uh, i would say half of your effort and time just to deal with the you know tiny Problems such as you know uh, that pixel should go there instead of right. there, etc. You know that kind of cosmetic stuff uh, um, sometimes take you a lot of problems. For example, we 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 helped the one bank uh, in, uh, in the Nordic area in Denmark, uh, and they had uh, they use our tool to uh, to migrate the ATM uh, user interface. In that particular case, uh, each Every pixel had to be in the same place, and uh, we had problems with .NET fonts. We had problems with .NET buttons. We had to rewrote uh, the .NET to reproject, re redesign the .NET button because the .NET button and controls in general tend to be slightly larger than db 6 You know that kind of uh, thing took us uh, a lot of time, but. Seen from you know, uh, seen from another perspective, there were minor things compared to the to the, to the entire migration. So I would say that uh, in general, the user interface uh, is the biggest uh, is the place where you spend a lot of time, especially if you want to replicate uh, things such as drag and drop, you know, this kind this kind of things. So if you have uh, all the containers, you have to replace them with something else because they are not supported under .NET in any form, right. et cetera, et cetera. So these are, um, if um, the other problem, as I said, it's a, uh, it's a database, the, the database sure. techniques. If the original application 
already uses ADO with uh, batch optimistic updates, it's very easy to do the migration. And basically, we offer a, a library which is called ADO Library, which is again is a library written entirely in uh, ADO.NET, but it uh, mimics the behavior of uh, ADODB uh, with exactly the same methods, properties, events, etc. And in that case, the migration is very easy. Because basically, you 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 keep uh, the same structure that you have in DB6, provided that your DB6 application only uses forward-only redolling cursors and uh, uh, client-side batch optimistic updates. And you said near the beginning of the show, it's like don't do too much; just get your migration done, then worry about sort of modernizing. So if, if we're taking a VB6 app up to .NET, does that pretty much mean we we're using WinForms in .NET to Migrate those UIs? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we migrate towards uh, Windows Forms. Actually, we, uh, I would say, 2009, we had uh, a version, an internal version of our product that migrated towards WPF. Mm-hmm. And it did a very good job. It was, a, um, it was a good project. But at one point, we decided not to market this version. And the reason is the kind of... Uh, the kind of um, code transformations that you have to do to have uh, a working VPF application. I mean, in the end, you you have uh, code which is not really maintainable. So our our um, let's say uh, what we um, guarantee guarantee between quotes uh, to our customers is that if you migrate the, the migrated application will work as the original one. But in this particular case, WPF, we managed to do the migration towards towards WPF. But uh, you know the kind of uh, uh, the code was so intricated. So in the end, we 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 decided not to go not to go that way. And uh, so, if you want to migrate to something else, uh, be it uh, WPF or Silverlight or especially ASP.NET. Uh, we recommend that you rewrite that from scratch. What we can do, we can offer some help in terms of uh, analyzing the DB6 application. For example, once, uh, I mean, our, our conversion engine internally builds uh, an object-oriented version of the original DB6 application. So it's uh, relatively easy for us uh, to generate the sort of prototype in X, um, XAML or ESP.NET, etc. We have not we have not mar- we decided not to market such a product, but basically once we we have parsed the, the original DB6 uh, files, uh, we can emit any kind of code. But again, it's not part of the product, hmm. but this is something that we can offer. But it, uh, it should be considered as a sort of starting point to do your own forms or ASP.NET forms, uh, etc. So that's why it never became a product because uh, our product is something that you click. Uh, a button, you do some adjustments, but in the end, you have an application that uh, looks like and behaves like the original one. And we cannot uh, guarantee these uh, with either ASP.NET or WPF or HTML5 or whatever. Remember when there was that whole thing about can we build a WinForms WPF converter? I seem to remember that, yeah. I don't know that it's actually ever been a good idea. No, I don't know. Yeah. There are there are a few companies who tried that, but as as far as I know, they never came up with the 
finished and, and, and you know, polished product. Which is funny because, you know, WPF is clear. XAML's more flexible. You should be able to do anything you want. It's just a question of why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's another point. Uh, there, there was this company. So I, I was telling you about this uh, internal version uh, based on WPF. It was uh, um, a project which was uh, funded by ourselves, by another big uh, um, software company here in Italy, and also uh, the European branch of Microsoft. So we had this uh, prototype. It worked well again. But in the end, we, we and the company who funded this, uh, they realized that uh, having a WPF application that basically looks like a Windows Form application ma- makes no sense at all. Yeah. So in the end, you have to you have to re- redesign that, and it's not just a matter of you know ch- uh, moving that control there or or changing the colors or the transparency. Or no, support. it's a total rethink of your workflow. Exactly, exactly, and that's why it makes no sense to to migrate towards WPF, and for the same reason, it doesn't make any sense to migrate towards ASP.NET, which is even sure. worse, because, you know, for obviously, but it, obviously, yeah, Maybe we should have talked about this at the top of the show, but there's sort of this discussion of, okay, here's where we are with our thousand DLLs and this N-tier application with all this WinForm stuff on it, and we know we want to get to this modern technology solution. I mean, isn't the important part here to actually figure out your end goal, what this app is supposed to look like at the end, even though you're going to go through several stages of migration? Yeah. Yeah, this is exactly... I mean, there are some companies... uh, uh, Eventually, I I came to understand that there are many companies, they just want to migrate. You know, it depends, you know, it depends also on the chain of command in the company who, who, makes it, who, who makes the decision. So in some cases, just want to migrate towards a newer technology. They don't have very clear ideas of where they want to go. And this example with WPF was probably the best example. They, it, it took us months to come up with this prototype, which working pretty well, actually. But, uh, you know... Only later they realize, oh no, probably the market is not really doesn't doesn't really want this because uh, we have to rethink the the, the application from scratch. The, right. As you said, the workflow is just as important as the the, the, the actual controls that you use. Uh, you know, and WPF is and Silverlight, of course, they are so different from Windows Forms. And, well, uh, I also appreciate again, that you now have a picture because you have this existing app. You know how big of an application you're talking about. You know how important it is. You probably have a pretty good sense of its ROI so that you can sort of justify a rewrite or a conversion or a complete rethink of it. And, you know, yeah. just because you have a, yeah, I just don't see code as that much of baggage when you actually it's a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, um, do you find when working with these companies that they have actually st- um, they're in the place they are because they have not done proper separation of concerns with code and business logic, or even if they have separated business logic correctly out out of you know code behind, they're still uh, you know still not able to you know they're still having trouble converting. Yeah, there, there are so many, you know, flavors of db uh, 6 applications around that it's very, you, you can find everything. So just just think of an architecture, sure. be it a sound architecture or a very, a very bad architecture, you can find that in the db 6 world. 
uh, of course, if you have a clear separation between the logic and the, and the, you know, the user interface, uh, things uh, are usually much, much better. Yeah, I'm sure uh, because then there's so many options too. If you have, if you have just pure logic, and as you say, they're using the right ADO techniques, for example. I mean, those things can move up into the cloud. You know, those things may be able to move onto a server, right? Yeah, yeah. There are. I, I should add that there are some VB6 applications. We are. They are. They are real perfect in the sense that they are perfect for that technology. Yeah. So everything is well, well you know, clearly separated, etc. On the other hand, these are the application. Clearly, behind these applications, there were very good developers who made the best out of VB6, and for for the same reason. Sometimes it's so difficult to, to port them to other technology because uh, because they they uh, leveraged leveraged every single feature of VB6. Got it. You know? <laughs> so you have you have you have to balance these. You know, you know, on one end they are they run fast, they are scalable, etc. On the other end, they they, they I, I should admit that I discovered a lot of things about VB6 and and, and the ODDB in these years. In spite of the fact that I'm using Visual Basic uh, since version one, and you know, because uh, there are undocumented, there, there are big applications built on undocumented behaviors of sure. the B, for example, and you know, this is the kind of things uh, we add to. As a matter of fact, we uh, remember I was talking about these uh, um, these uh, support DLL, which mimics uh, the VB run DLL. Well. We, we, we came to the point that uh, at one point during the development and, uh, you know, early beta uh, testers, etc., we came to the point that we had to replicate the bugs in VB6. <laughs> <laughs> because, because a lot of developers were aware of those bugs and wrote the workaround, and we wanted that workaround to work even after the migration. It was insane. <laughs> that is crazy. Did, didn't VB6 have the same date math error as Excel? Where two thousand had a leap year and it shouldn't. Oh, don't touch that topic, please. Date, <laughs> date. <laughs> yeah, that's, God, because date uh, because uh, uh, you know date, date, the date the, the date type uh, apparently is so simple. And uh, when I started the project, the the, the immigration project, I, I, I was so stupid to think that it was simple data type. And we end up with so many problems because we we do support the. You know all the date function, of course, uh, in the U.S. and in Europe, and then we came to the Japanese uh, market, and they do things completely different. And uh, and the same uh, is true for string version, uh, string functions, string methods. So uh, VB VB six was so for forgiving in how dates were handled. No, you can uh, in many cases you can uh, put the, the month and then the day and then the year or the day and the month and the year like European uh, Europeans do but also the year and the month and the day as Japanese do Japanese do but the problem is that there is no clear separation so basically if you are it depends on your regional settings so uh, visual basic 6 for example it, it tries uh, the, the, the date format of your region, for example, in your case, should be month, day, year. But if it doesn't work, they try the opposite. Visual Basic that tries the opposite, that tries day, month, year, and even year, month, day, everything in the U.S. regional uh, regional settings. So it's it's 
insane again. Uh-huh. And, and it's insane the fact that we had we, we tried hard to to replicate this kind of uh, weird behaviors. Oh my gosh! Well, listen, we should check in with you, you know, in a few months and see, uh, you know, how how business is going because uh, we I, I'd like to keep my finger on the pulse. And I know Richard would too, of you know how how that is uh how that how this market is going um i i kind of foresee a a, a return to uh good old fashioned dot net development you know uh, a sort mm-hmm. of a resurgence in c sharp and i think this is part of it so yeah oh by the way we do my we do migrate towards c sharp as well now sure uh, yeah and it was a it was a big effort we do migrate towards C sharp, even though I I do recommend that unless you have uh, some strict requirements, you know, if you, if uh, unless you must go to C sharp, right, uh, stay with db.net in migration scenarios is uh, is the best approach. All right, Francesco, keep in touch and keep playing that sax. <laughs> yeah, I do, and I look forward to the next jam with you, Carl. Absolutely, <laughs> maybe it'll be yeah. in Italy, huh? Yeah, you should. Uh, anytime soon. I, I, whenever you come, just uh, call me I and I'll reach you. I <laughs> yeah. certainly will. I can't wait for that day. All right, my friend, take care. Okay, thank you. And again, thank you for, for letting me be on .NET Rocks. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a-